you want to live a life of freedom and adventure? Are you wanting more than the daily grind? Me too. Welcome to The Emma Lovell Show, a place where we talk about living a life you love now. I'm your host, Emma Lovell, and my number one value is freedom. I've spent the last 14 years running a business and traveling the world, and now I take my husband and toddler along for the adventure too. It's possible and I know you can create a life doing what you truly love as well. This podcast will inspire, motivate, and encourage you to go after your dreams, to create a life you love and to live it now, not wait for retirement or someday in the future. I'll be sharing episodes weekly about how I harmonize business, travel, and self-care. I'll also bring on incredible guests to share their journeys, the wins, the challenges, and how they're creating a life they love. Let's jump in and get dreaming. This is a space for you to manifest a life you love. I would like to acknowledge and recognize Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. I am grateful for the continuing care of the land, waterways and skies where I work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on Yugambeh country and from wherever you are listening, I pay my respects to the elders past and present. Welcome to the podcast today. I am delighted to introduce you to Letitia Andrak, who is a business doula and founder of Essential Shift Consulting. I met Letitia through the fabulous Jade Warns Instagram Growth Club, and I've loved her energy and uh, also her passion for retreats, which is something we're going to be focusing on today. But a little bit more about Letitia. She is a business doula and she teaches impact-driven entrepreneurs how to weave intuition and strategy together to grow sustainable businesses for people, profit, and planet. Her passion is to bring a sense of the sacred and intentional intentionality to everyday life. She's a mother of two girls and lives in Cronulla, and she's attempting to practice what she teaches, coaches and mentors, creating a life that is aligned and sustainable. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear the way that Leticia does her business birthing, uh, runs her retreats, and shares some of her very valuable tips uh, from her own experiences. So introducing again, Leticia. Welcome to the podcast, Leticia. Thank you for having me, Emma. Uh, merci uh, for being here. I was uh, saying, so, you know, we might hear a little accent there, but I'll give you get you to do uh, a little bit of background. But, uh, yes, then you asked me if, oh, I must speak some French. And I said, je ne peux parler français. No, <laughs> do not. I say very well in French that I do not speak French. So, trop petit. Uh, but tell us, tell me, tell us a little bit about you. Yes, so I am Laetitia Andrac. And I am born and raised in the south of France, in the French Riviera. And I'm now living in Sydney, in Dawa country, around Cronulla. And I moved to Australia about 10 years ago after burning out in strategy consulting. So I grew up in the south of France in a beautiful small village. And then I went on the journey of following someone else's dreams, which we may cover at some point. And starting going up the corporate ladder and being a very successful strategy consultant until I burnt out in 2014. And then Australia called me. So I followed my intuition and moved to Australia. Initially, it was just for two or three years. We decided um, to say that to our family with my husband. But it's been 10 years now and we just love it here. And we have two little daughters. 
Uh, and you get to go back. I saw recently you went back yeah. to France and still. Yeah, we go every year, every year. It's a commitment that we took when we thought we would stay here for two, three years. We say, I will be back every year. And we've uh, been able to come back every year unless the border was were shut, which was during COVID. But the rest of the time, we've always been back every year. So, yeah. And if you know that that's part of your life, then you you factor that in. Like people go, well, yeah. going to France every year. It's just, I guess it's yeah. just like a annual expense for you. You just know that that's completely. What it's happen. an annual expense. And I always weave into it. I know we're going to talk about retreat, but I weave into it a retreat in France. So then it's like work and pleasure. Yeah, I've learned a new term, pleasure, business and pleasure, which is uh, lovely. Let's and borrow that. That's good. Yes, you're welcome. Um, but, you know, uh, you feel so passionately about intuition and you obviously did so well that you wrote a book yes. about it, which yes. I, full disclosure, I will have to get you back on to talk about it because I have it in my hot hands. This is a podcast, but I also have a video. Um, I have not read it because I really want to soak it in. So once I've read it, we can get you back on and we can talk all about just that. But what, you know, just, you know, was that a long time coming or did it come from your intuition? How did the book come to be? Yes. So my book is titled Light It, How to Trust Your Intuition and Build a Thriving Business. And I wouldn't have defined myself as an author until this book came to me in a deep meditation. So it was really intuitively led. And this book is going beyond my work, beyond who I am. I really feel like this book came from source and from God or whatever you believe in. That is a higher power or my higher self. But I was um, on a silent meditation for a few days, taking myself out of the hustle. I have two young kids. My husband is a general manager in a big corporation. I used to be a general manager as well. It's just I needed to take some time to process the grief of a friend of us, which I mentioned in the book. And during this silence retreat, it was like, you need to teach the light framework. Got it. And yes, it came. And from there, I embraced the process of writing the book and overcoming all the limiting belief around who am I to write a book, why am I going to write in English when I'm French? All of those kind of things. Overcame them one by one. That was my story of last year, overcoming all of this limiting belief. And now, yes, I am a published author and I can't wait for many of you to read this book. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's a, it's a big dream of mine, writing a book. And um, I think I've announced it on here a few times, but I am writing a book this year. So I know I'll be coming to talk to you. And I loved watching you have your launches and buying it from you and knowing, you know, it's such a nice, um, Thank you. you know, what can go into it. But also that when it's right, that's been my journey that um, I've always known I'm going to write a book. Or since I was 19, I said I would. I went for a year travel. I was like, I'll come back and write a book. So it feels very overdue. Um but the book comes when it's meant to come. And yeah, definitely. I believe in intuition. I uh, do see a psychic and she told me there were there were books and they were there, but they weren't ready to drop down yet. And I actually found that a comfort and it was like, cool, I know I'm going to do it. And then, but in the last year, it's become very compelling. And it's like, if I don't write, if I have one regret, I know it would be not writing this book. Yeah, so start now. But okay. definitely writing a book. I know a lot of people have it on their bucket list item and a lot of people start writing a book and stop along the journey of writing a book. So there are more books as manuscripts than book in the bookshelf, even though there are so many books that get published every month. But I know that for me, committing to finishing it and releasing it was a big commitment going through the journey of writing the book and having so many 
ups and downs and so many moments of doubt and so many limiting. But if it's like a, a business journey in a very short term, when you write a book, it's like in a year, you feel all the things that you may feel in 10 years in business. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm excited for the roller coaster and to compare yeah. notes later on. But I know that uh, one of the things that I'm doing as well is, and looking at the books with it, I'm currently, you know, I want to read it for the content, but I'm also at this time looking at um, books with a different lens because it's like, yeah. what would I want my book to look like? And, oh, I like this cover. And, oh, yeah, who, who would I get there? And, oh, that's a good little um, page layout there. And, you know, but also yeah. then, I really want to read the content too. So it's the kind of books are taking me a little while at the moment, but a huge congratulations. It's a, you know, in my view, it's a huge achievement. So thank you. Well done. Now let's get to, you've planted the seed of of the retreats and it's uh, was wonderful that you wanted to come on. We've been trying to get together for a podcast for a while. So again, we had a compelling reason that we both run retreats and we just want to talk about, I guess, what works and what doesn't and so yeah like tell me how you got into retreats and and why you choose to run retreats in your business yes so I would qualify myself as a bit of a retreat junkie um so I started attending retreats in India actually in uh 2004 that was the first retreat I attended when I was in India and it was really life-changing in many ways but I never thought I would run it as part of my business, but it's it has been something that I love attending, attend many retreats all along the years and all of that. And when I was a strategy consultant, we would take on retreats, the C-suite to design their strategy, to envision the next stage of growth, to prepare an M&A, all of those kind of things, you know, these beautiful castles that we're owning in the strategy firm uh, in Fontainebleau, like was just incredibly beautiful. So I had like, done that as a facilitator but mostly as an attendees and then when I started Essential Shift it was during COVID so not even the option to run retreats or things like that but as soon as I started running my mastermind um, I was like oh maybe I could organize a one-day retreat for them so the first one was at my home in Bondi Beach very simple low-key and actually they all loved it And then I realized that I was not only a junkie in terms of attending retreat, which I still do, and I attend so many retreats in a year, but also in facilitating it and all the joys that I got from it. And then last year, I got very serious and I ran four retreats last year and um, international ones from France or Australia in different places in Australia. And this year, it's the same thing. I'm going to run many retreats in different places. I think that's an important point is like, I, I think you have to in my opinion, go on a retreat at least once if you're considering running retreat. And they can look so different, you know. Um, You know, I think some people think that they have to be a week long or 10 days long or five days long. I went to a half-day one and I got so much out of that half-day. And just as you said, you're running one day, like one day intensive. Um, For me, like what, what makes it a retreat is an intention yeah. Um, but like you said, retreats have been run in, in corporate style for a long time. And so the yeah. spectrum of what is a retreat, and I actually feel like I probably haven't even tackled this question, so it's great to, like, have your interpretation of it. Um, you know, like, so I have kind of my definition of what a retreat is, but I loved that um, the one of the first retreats I went on was run by a German woman, and she said her mother was like well what is this retreat like what does retreat mean and that sent her on the journey to go well what does 
And the word retreat means to, you know, withdraw. Withdraw, retreat, yeah. And so you can retreat in or you can retreat away. But, like, I think that was such a, that really stuck with me, that that sort of foundation of it. So I love that you've covered this. There are so many ways to do it, but also that you've been on them. And you and I went, both went on at different times, a wonderful retreat, um, Denise Duffield Thomas's Rose Farm Retreat. And I think each one you go on, you learn, you know, whether it's like, oh, that's a really great idea or it's like, oh, I didn't, that wouldn't be for me or I wouldn't run a run, I wouldn't want to do it like that. Yeah, definitely. The more you attend retreats, the more it gives yourself permission to run it in your own ways. And I have been on retreats, you know, yoga retreats, psychodrama retreats, silent retreat, cooking retreats, dance retreats, drumming retreats, like so many different things, artist retreats, you can singing retreats, so many, and business retreats, like the one you mentioned. And I think it's giving us permission to create our own. And definitely a retreat is something that is a pattern interrupter. So for me, as long as you're interrupting a pattern, and that's what we were doing when we were taking all of those leaders into this space for four days, into this beautiful castle, was just taking them away from the politics, away from, you know, the the things that are at play going through an M&A or a big redesign of an organization and so on for them to think about it. And the same thing in a small business is the same thing in a life when you're going through the motion in life, just going on a retreat by yourself or with your partner or with friends or with your kids. There are parents retreats with kids. I have looked into uh, one of my daughter is neurodivergent. You have retreat for, you know, autistic kids with their parents. It's just so many options. Yes, but it's like the foundation, though, I think is like being, um, you know, there's the one side of experiencing it and being open to the possibilities and exploring that and whether you do that by your own personal research or by talking to people, but then making the decision of what is the intention of my retreat. Because if you try to do all of those things, it's going to be a shit show. Confusing. (laughs) They don't know why they're going to your retreat. Definitely. Having a clear intention, a clear goal, a clear transformation, as we will hear a lot, that you promise whoever is coming to your retreat, I think is a key uh, beginning. And, you know, you asked me about my book, how this book came. The framework was actually the framework that I was using in my own retreats which are business birthing retreat, which is a light framework that is at the heart of my book. So actually you you never know how a retreat can keep on giving other things Mm -hmm. for your business and in your life, or a book can be an inspiration for a retreat or the other way around. And I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, I, I often say like, you know, selfishly or whatever, like I get just as much from my retreat, from hosting the retreat, um, I feel as my clients do. You know, I go, it's a transformation for me too. It's a gift for me too. I cry at the end. I'm like, you know, but to have the honour of people choosing to give time, give money, give time, um, be open and share, like all those things are such a gift. And then to see uh, one of my big lessons was like that it's not all about me. (laughs) So even though I'm saying selfishly I get a lot, I've each time I've stepped back more and more and it's not I'm not just like a teacher. It's not my job just to like deliver constantly. My job is actually to create the space and, you know, for them to come and and to have their own thing come out of them. Like I'm like, it's actually the answer comes from you. It doesn't come from me. And I like to remove myself from it 
and it's like it's the retreat does the work I mean I know I created it but you know like it's not about me Hey lovely, I want to open the doors to incredible opportunities for you on an all-inclusive luxury retreat exclusively for people who are ready to live a life they love. I invite you to join me for five inspiring nights in sensational Sri Lanka for the Rest and Receive Retreat, hosted from 2nd to 7th of November 2024 by yours truly, Emma Lovell. I ask you to disconnect your senses and immerse in this exotic culture while you reconnect with yourself. You get to share this luxurious experience with 12 incredible people while forming connections that last a lifetime. I really cannot undersell or overestimate this incredible retreat and the magic of going to a place to give yourself space and time. I want to share it with you and if you are interested, then please head to my website, emmalovell.au slash Sri Lanka retreat. I'd love to see you there and I'm happy to chat if you have any questions whatsoever. Please take this opportunity to come along and join me in stunning Sri Lanka. I think it's the beauty, like a retreat, you cannot run a retreat if you don't know what it is to be a space holder or a facilitator or, you know, someone who really creates a safe container, a sacred container for others to experience a transformation. And as you said, for the work to be done and trusting the process. And this is like anyone who is running a great retreat will know that. It's about holding the space, holding the container, but don't being too attached to this is what we do at 10. And this is like trusting into what we call Kairos time rather than Kronos time. So Kronos time, if some of you are listening to this, don't know what is Kronos and Kairos time. Kronos time is from nine to 10, we'll do this. And then this is a time. Whereas Kairos time is you enter this space where time is not really relevant anymore. And sometimes the time may be longer, maybe shorter, but this is a process and trusting the process. And as a space holder, you have sometimes people in your retreat who are like, so when are we doing the next thing? And like, no, 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 trust the process. Honor this moment of discomfort, and then you'll get what you need to get from this experience. So you need to step into that space of space holding and facilitation and sacred container holder. Definitely. And it's a balance, isn't it? Because, like, you're always going to have those different, um, like, you kind of, it's good to have a guide, an itinerary, and people are going to buy into that, of course. But also, like, I don't mind my message at the top of, and I used to run, uh, be a tour manager. So I'd go and do cycle trips and treks and things. My opening speech is always expect the unexpected. Yes, yeah. we have an itinerary, but who knows what's going to happen? Like the weather, um, you know, like just, you know, we are in a different country, different culture, things happen differently. Like I think having it in a different country gives you a lot of grace, <laughs> but, but, you know, you're like, yeah, I made an itinerary, but things happen. So if you can be open to that, then that's great. And I think that um, I'm trying to be quite clear about that in in when I'm doing the introduction calls and things like that or testing the waters. And if somebody is very like uh, it has to be what is the time and what are the delivery and what is the outcome, I'm like I actually would flat out say potentially my type of retreat is not for you Yeah, because like we will have flow and what I feel like you were saying before is that state of flow. When you're in that state of flow and you know, and just and allowing uh, and some of the best things are the unexpected things. Um, I think 
it's a beautiful space to be in, but, you know, just, I guess, prefacing it a little bit, but also just like maybe a retreat isn't for you. Mm, you yes, definitely. If you can't, you, you maybe Leticia and I aren't the hosts for you. If you need a structure and you need kind of a do, do, do. Yeah, but we know that magic happens in between, right? We know in any time of deep creative sparks, the creative spark don't happen when you're in front of your blank page if you're writing a book and you're going to write a retreat or in front of your laptop if you're willing to birth the next, you know, beautiful software that will, you know, dethrone Canva or whatever. It's actually happening in those in-between space. And for me, a retreat is this in-between. It's harnessing this between at its best. It's like this on on those that you cannot even imagine. And every time I go on a retreat, I really try myself as an attendee to go with a totally open mind and open heart and open will. And yes, I go on this retreat with an intention to eventually work on this, but I often come back with something else which is even better that I haven't envisioned before. And that's what I always invite the participant to my own retreat to come with is, yes, we're going to birth something. It's a business birthing retreat. We're going to birth something we're going to work on your birth story we're going to birth something don't worry about it but maybe it's not going to be the things that you were thinking about birthing yes yeah and it's um I know I I can think of two examples of my own that where it's good yes having an intention and having but like having an openness and I've done that and then having another time where I had an intention and I was so attached to the outcome or so attached to like I guess what I'd invested in it so I have given up money I've given up time um, I am away from my son for the, the longest time I've first been and I better get something out of this kind of like I put too much pressure on and also I had somebody say to me um, it's going to change your quite frankly like swear word, change your fucking life and so then I'm like all right come on life change mm-hmm. and you know I didn't really surrender to it and I really I got other lessons out of it but I put so much pressure on what am I getting out of it and mm. it you know it kind of and, and often often the penny drop a few months later or a few weeks later like either you get the transformation during the retreat as an attendee as a facilitator like whatever you're doing whichever stage you're at you're getting a transformation either before when you sign up for that retreat because it changed something in your behavior in something or during the retreat, or sometimes it's after. And I know for me, often the breakthrough happened after. And I've noticed that after going on so many retreats where, you know, at the last chair, everyone's like, oh, I'm like, no, my life is <laughs> But actually a few months later, I start being like, mm, oh, I remember that. Oh, that came up actually. Let's go back to the journals that I wrote mm-hmm. at this time. Oh, this, the seed was planting at that time. So... <laughs> We often measure the results straight away when actually for many things it takes time, like a wine. A wine tastes better years after a cheese. And you know, I'm French. So it's like all the thing in the food in France tastes better after years. So let's leave it some time. Yes, I love that. It's such a um it's such an important message. And again, in that sales process, I mean Angela Henderson said uh to me on this podcast, the tra- the transformation happens at the transaction which I loved, like, and I just think it's like that first step, 70% of success is that first step. 70% of your retreat experience was you saying yes to the experience, like yeah. committing to that. I, I, I believe that entirely and that people do start the shift before that. 
but also then yeah not placing the like that expectation on that I said 100% I can guarantee you're gonna have a nice time you're gonna have a nice time you're gonna get the inclusions I told you you'll get you're gonna get that but the the penny drop the potentially that transformation I think six months is the mark six months Mm -hmm. is like everyone's different like you said but I think if you talk to people six months after the retreat they can tell you what has happened or the thing that they the seed that planted the fruit comes then you know because things take time we were chatting off air and it's like I can preach that but I I'm sitting here going I want all the things done now I want I want my whole year planned out now and it's like oh there's so many beautiful things happened last year that I could not have and some terrible things happened that I could not have foreseen in the first two weeks of January so why do I think that on the 16th of January I'm I'm going to know everything, but anywho, let's talk mistakes Yes, (laughs) or things that we uh, are not doing because you have had success. You and I have both had success in retreats, but I think there's times we could have had more success. (laughs) Um, What are the things that haven't worked or that you would, you've learned from? So for me, the first thing is really communicating more about it. So when I run a retreat, I'm just like, yeah, I'm running a retreat and I'm talking a little bit about it, but I don't plan my whole content, my all marketing plan, my all campaign around it because retreat is not the core of my business model. It's more some things that I do on top of. So it's often an upsell. It's often something that people knows me within my community, my membership, my courses, and they want to go deeper. So it's not something that I set at a core and as I'm not setting it at a core then I'm maybe not going hard enough in communicating about it as I will go with something else that is core to my business so for me my biggest lesson is when you know as I told you offline is when someone like it happened on Monday messaged me on Instagram being like you know you were running a retreat in March how come I've been talking about it a few times already. So it's it's a very good lesson when we feel we've been talking about it like a broken record, but actually we haven't spoken about it enough. So that's my my first mistake. Um, do you want to go with one and then I go with another one? Or do you want me to go with just back it up? Yeah, I'll, I'll just back that up. I think that you know someone, uh, Jen Donovan, who's a marketing social media marketing expert, just she said to me like, in you know, from your heart, do you think you promoted India enough? And I said no, um, I didn't. Uh, I know why. I know that things came up and all that, but you know, not having that promotional plan from the outset, not having that structure. Um, you know, or feeling like, you know, I had a retreat sold out and then kind of going, oh, well, it's sold out. Uh, I'll stop talking about it. When I actually know that I'm going to keep, you and I know that we're going to keep having retreats. So retreat it needs to be an always on messaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I sometimes focus too much on the, oh, I can't talk about Kangaroo Valley because it's sold out. Or I can't talk about Kangaroo Valley because I'm talking about India. Whereas if I talk about, I run retreats, as a general piece of content that's always on. Oh, and by the way, go to my events page, here they are. Um, you know, that's just something that I kind of had to realize. Uh, yeah. But so as you said, you think you're talking about it till you're blue in the face. You you really haven't. And there are people on my email list who said, Emma, I could st- I'm I'm not sick of it. And I could, I could definitely stand to see more of it. Mm, yeah. So that's the first mistake. Uh then the second mistake is accepting people last minute 
<laughs> so last year I had sold out my retreat in March and last minute I went to this lunch where I was not expecting to meet anyone who could come to this retreat. And I met this woman out of the blue was like, I want to come to your retreat. I was like, okay, cool. So reshuffling everything last minute. And usually I set myself three days to brief the cook, to brief the photographer, to brief my team member. I always have an assistant with me during the retreat just because I'm not good with detail. I'm not good. I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm a strategist. I'm shit with detail. And that's okay. It's not my zone of genius. So, um, and I was like, yeah, but very excited. Like, yeah, one more spot. Amazing. She sounds awesome. And then it's like a lot of kind of reshuffling and last minute pain just because I couldn't, you know, just let it go. And I should have let it go. So this time I'm closing my March retreat three days before. And I know three days for some people may seem a bit last minute, but for me with the way I work, three days is actually a really good time. So it's gonna be three days for the March one, learning from my mistake from last time. I think, and that's good. Like, and you know, for you and I, maybe three days or a week is fine. But like for India, it has to be like th- thirty days before because, um, you know, you need to book hotels and international yeah. travel and things like that. So, um, but you know, the operator might also go, no, like we could we can do ten days. Um, but understanding what's the implication of that, and I think it's also it's like it's safe to have a wait list. It's safe mm-hmm. to have people who have to wait and it's it's kind of safe to say no actually this one's full or no you missed the deadline I mean obviously you just met her so there's not but no you missed the deadline and this is closed now um and that either they'll come to the next one or it wasn't for them yeah definitely and that's interesting that you mentioned waitlist because this is a mistake I did so one of my international retreats that I run last year in France I had so many people on the wait list that I was like, yeah, it's going to sell out, going to be easy, going to be cool. People on the wait list don't equal people that will buy. Even for a retreat, we know that for courses, for membership, for things like that, we always know that we have a dropout. But when you know people personally and they say, yeah, I'm in, but they haven't signed the contracts, they haven't paid, they haven't confirmed anything, it's not confirmed until it's confirmed. But this is, this is a mistake that I made last year with my French retreat. So I ended up being, you know, a bit last minute being like, oh, my gosh, we need to communicate about this. Because actually, even though it was more than sold out in the wait list, it's actually not, not sold out now that we are actually filling the spot and asking people for down payment and signing contract and so on. And so I think I like my OBM, my online business manager told me yesterday through a voice note that I'm very good at selling stuff in the last minute. And I think this is my behavior. I always buy stuff in the last minute. So um, I I always end up selling it out, but in the last minute. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But it's still, people need to see that. Like, and you don't realize what people are seeing. I think that's something that um, on the other side of that, like, yeah, not putting it in my email enough uh, you know, and maybe banking on the fact that I had the same, you know, like for India I had five, six people join on really quickly. So almost not coasted, but then felt like, oh, it's a year. Like I don't want to go so much for a year. But the next thing you know, it's five, six months later. And then yeah. it's like, wow, this thing's only in four months, which actually was still a lot of time because maybe you have the maverick as well. We have that thing of being able to like fire yeah. up at the last yeah. minute. I think yeah. the entrepreneur of being like, I got to, I got to make some magic here. Let's do it. But you just probably don't need to, we just probably don't need to have our adrenals quite so high and 
you know, and just to give people that, some people do need to see that message 18 times. Some people only need to, I mean, I think it is like 18 times is the marketing thing now that you need to actually just lay your eyes on it 18 times. Um, but some people don't. You and I don't. We can meet someone at lunch and go, yeah, I'll fly to France. Sure. But or even the, down the coast. Sure. Yeah. Even the one you mentioned that we both attended the Denise DT retreat. You know, what's funny is I had never heard about her. I know sometimes it feels like I live in a cave, but I had never heard about her. didn't know who she was. And I just literally Googled New South Wales business retreat. I wanted to take myself on a retreat close by so I could drive with my car. Like I had this commitment of already doing one trip to Europe once a year. And I'm very activist in my um, choices of sustainability and so on. And so I was like, I'm going to find something local. And this retreat came up. I was like, yeah, done. Okay, check, check, check. Filling out the application. Done deal. And then I started Googling this girl. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, she's legit. She has a big <laughs> business. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go meet her. And it was actually really good to have zero expectation not knowing the person. And what I find is when I go on retreat with someone that I kind of loved for a long time, I have higher expectation rather than when I go with my full gut and intuition to a retreat about someone that I barely knew or to an experience like a friend last year was like, oh, do you want to go to this um, bone gathering retreat? I was like, what the fuck is that? Okay, I'm going. What is it? I don't I'm just signed up. It was last year about the same, like in on 26, 27, and 28th of January last year. And I just went, it was just something about hope. Like it was completely different to the other retreat I attended. And sometimes going with your curiosity and signing up for things that are completely different to what you usually sign up for is quite great as well. And that's great to keep in mind for your audience, like that sometimes um, you obviously you have a target market in mind. You think you know who's coming. You get a set of people, but then there's someone who comes along and, you know, do a sense check with them. But like maybe it's cool having that person who's quite the anomaly uh, who comes out of out of left field. And, you know, actually, that's awesome that they just I write on my page now, if you think this is for you, like, yeah, these are the people I think it might be for. But if you read this. And you don't tick any of those boxes, but you think it's for you, then it's for you. Yeah. Like, Definitely. you know, we tar- We have to target. We have to have a target. We have to have a direction. We have to have an intention. But there's kind of a, a the net can be cast around that. You know, like I always think of the target, the bullseye. You know, yeah, we're yeah. going for the bullseye, but you can land anywhere on the board and you still get points. So, um, yeah, I love this. Um, I know I'm conscious of our time, but um yeah, it's so wonderful to talk to someone else who's so passionate about retreats and I love your your experience and your um, broad perspective. Is there anything else you would give to a, someone who wants to run a retreat? I think sometimes what I'm seeing is that people are quite, they think that it's quite involved and I think there is an element of that, but they think that there's so much involved, there's so much cost, there's so much planning uh, that they either they need years to do it uh, lots of funds, uh, and they're also expecting that they're going to lose money. Like, how do you feel? Like, what would you say to people who are looking to run a retreat and to get started? So all of that are false excuses that are preventing them from actually running a retreat. If you really want to run retreats and you're like me, you're not into operation, events, planning, and details, just have an awesome someone to help you do that which is what I do I delegate all of this to Leanne and so she does all of this magic operational stuff 
The financials, I am huge on looking at my financials. So I'm really planning intentionally the cost and all of that. And I'm making a lot of profit for, from each of my retreats. So it's highly possible. And I never upsell to anything. It's like they bought the retreat and this is my value. Like they bought the retreat, they get the whole value in the retreats. They don't need to buy anything else. So I know there are people out there teaching you run a retreat with less profit, but then sell them something else. I'm like, this is not my approach. I will make money from the retreat itself and deliver the full shebang during the retreat. They don't need to buy anything else from me. And then the third thing that you said, which is it's a lot of work. So as I've said, it's delegation, but also it's not so much work. It's like anything in your business, but just during the retreat, you don't find you're working if you are a space holder or facilitator. For yes. me, when I run retreats, I really don't feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm just hanging out and doing my best work and I'm in my zone of genius. So it's just being paid on holiday. And I, you know, I know when I say that people are like, oh my God, stop saying holiday. I think like, that's yes, how I feel. It's a big objection I get as well, or and a challenge I get of people being like, you know, and I say that I run profitable retreats and they're like, is your time factored in? Yes. And it's like, look, yeah, yes, it is because I'm making money, but two. Yeah. If you want to factor in all the time, like from the concept to the promotion, to the planning, to having conversations, to the talking, the cost, like my pay per hour, maybe it's not so high. But for me to spend three days or five days in a beautiful place with beautiful people um, getting my own ahas, like it's not that, like you said, it doesn't feel like work. I've created, um, you know, it's like I, I want to create a life that I don't need a holiday from. Yeah. I've created work that feels like a holiday. It it, it is just as um, rejuvenating for me. And yeah, it is, it is time. It is, you are holding the space and potentially people aren't the right fit for being the host or holding the space. And like you said, just as you can delegate out the, um, some of the operations and some of the detail, you could actually delegate or outsource the hosting. Like I've, I'm going to be offering that service of I could be the host. If you want to be the deliverer, you potentially you can have it like that dynamic. You can bring people in if you don't want to deliver sessions. You could bring in different facilitators. You could bring in Leticia to de deliver a session. Um, you can bring in an expert to deliver a session. Like if you really have this dream of hosting it, you can find ways to do it. But and I've actually done it for two of my clients who started running their retreats and they were not confident enough to, you know, kind of host it, to come in and host with them. To help them be more comfortable later. But I think the main thing is as long as you love hosting, holding space, just do it. Then if you're an introvert and you don't like to be surrounded by people and you just want to be by yourself, maybe you're not the best person to facilitate yeah. retreats. And I've been once on a retreat where someone was very introvert, didn't like having, you know, too many people and so you're like, so maybe don't run retreat next time. But it's it's really important to make sure that you stay in your zone of genius. And then if anything feels uncomfortable, you can definitely, as you said, have someone helping you by your side. And I think I have been in some retreat where there are like multiple experts coming and speaking. So you could definitely do that. Everything is possible, basically. It's like so open. Yeah. Sky is the limit. Try it. And if it doesn't work for you, that's okay too. But like yes. set yourself up for success, learn from, uh, do as we say, not as we do, <laughs> learn from our lovely lessons. 
But I just think as well, like that admin, that is such a, you know, having an assistant, I've always had like um, someone there who can be sort of a support, my personal support animal, (laughs) to keep you supported, to have somebody um, to be in it with you. That's such a great tip, actually being there um, to do those little bits of extras so that you can be really focused and dedicated. And if you planned well as well, everything kind of, like, is it hectic before? Is it hectic the few days before? It's like, no, because everything's planned. Yeah. No, I'm not in the kitchen cooking the food. Like you said, I have someone else. I'm not yeah. making the beds. Somebody else is doing that. Like, I'm not driving us around. Like, if that's what's happening, I'm not doing that. I, I just make sure everyone's there at the time I've said, and then we do what we do. But this is where, you know, so many people will try and do everything. And it's like anything in business, if you try to wear too many hats and you're not wearing any well. So when you're running a retreat, just knowing which hat you're going to wear and which hat you're going to delegate to someone else and really delegate it to someone else. And what are the things that are essential and what are the things that are nice to have for the next mm-hmm. retreat? Because, you know, the first retreat that I run, ideally, I would have loved to have, you know, a yoga teacher and this and this and that. But at the time, it was not like this. It was just in my home, a very simple retreat and, and things like that. So it's like you improve as you go. So don't go and look at Emma last retreat, which was like five-star retreat because she's run so many, or my retreat because I've run so many. Start where you are and just take the people on that journey. I have clients who've been coming back to all of my retreats and the best feedback I got from the last one I ran in Nusa in September it's like, oh my gosh, every time it's getting better. And mm-hmm. I love it. So then it's like, you can improve and improve and improve. And, you know, meet us in 10 years. Our retreat would be in the best retreat guide ever. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like you're, yeah, they, that's nice because they feel like they're on the journey with you. And there's always something special about going on the first one. I think yeah. people have a lot of grace for you. Generally, the people who come on your first one probably have already bought from you or know you. Um, and so they do have a little bit more, um, I don't know, yeah, grace. And, mm-hmm. and so, and then, just being open to the experience and they never know what is planned like you know all the things you're like oh my gosh that's in the wrong place or oh this was supposed to happen at this time but they don't know that they're just there and they have if you've again set it up correctly they've surrendered to you uh they've surrendered to the experience and they're trusting in the process and so then um you can roll with it and it's it's really lovely um I'm very keen to hear about the next France one. So you have one in March. Uh, you'll hopefully send us the links, but uh, please tell us how can uh, people connect with you and yeah, how can we connect with you? Yeah, so you can, uh, as you're listening to this podcast, you can stay on the platform and look for the Essential Shift podcast and listen to my own podcast. So, and otherwise, if you'd rather connect on Instagram, I am at essential.shift always answering my direct message on Instagram so you can message me and otherwise my website www.essentialshift.co and you have my retreats there. So yeah, the next one is a business birthing retreat in Barrie in March 2024 and then um, one in the south of France in June 2024. So I always uh, do the south of France, which is where I'm from. So it feels very special to do one in my beautiful region. And it's also a business versing retreat. Like my retreats are always the same. It's business versing retreat. We go through the light framework, which is in my book, and people come and come and come again, and every time they burst something different. So it's just we go through the journey and expect the unexpected, as you said, beautifully. 
I love that. Uh, you've definitely planted a seed there for me. And uh, to any budding retreat hosts out there, this is such a great way to incorporate your travel is like, and that's my goal for this year with uh, Retreat to Riches, uh, my retreats about how to run retreats is yeah. like, I just go, I need to go to Perth. I'll run one over there. Um, yeah. Something on in Melbourne, we'll run one down there. Somebody's like, come down the, to the Hunter Valley. I'll be like, okay, sure. Come to the Hunter Valley and we can run one there. You know, there's, there can be uh flexibility once you, you have the model and the structure. Oh, definitely. It, and it makes, makes it easier. easier for you. It makes it easier. You know, for me now it's easier and easier with Leanne to organize it because we know what's the agenda. We know what we need. We know la la la. So successful business is boring. <laughs> it's something I'm learning very slowly. To yeah. Share. And that's cool. All the shiny things, but even the retreat, like, yeah, the 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 cogs and the wheels of it, the, the experience is exciting, but the the promotion the oh, it needs to be boring. This very, part needs to be boring. Very rote and um but very successful. And uh, it's it's so exciting. Ah, I could talk to you all day, but I'm gonna let you go. Merci, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. And I'll, if I don't see you soon, I'll, uh, I'll see you in South of France. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir, merci. Thank you for listening, lovely one. I hope this has inspired you to dream big and start creating a life you love today. If you love what you're hearing, don't forget to follow and rate on Spotify and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. It helps other awesome people to find this podcast and get motivated and inspired as well. Want to stay connected? Come and join the Live a Life You Love group on Facebook or connect with me on Instagram, emmalovell.au. The same as my website, but all the details are in the show notes, lovely. I'll see you next episode for more inspiration, motivation, and freedom seeking. Now go out there and live a life you love.